0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. The title of a message this morning is simply this, don't wait, don't wait. And we're in a series, Disconnected, and we're talking about how, honestly, the world is coming at us. All of us have these devices. I have a tablet, I have a phone, my kids all have tablets, and I'm not advocating that we go outside and do a bonfire where we throw these things away. Um, But what I am telling us, and we started last week with this series, is simply this. If you're not careful, the world will raise your kids. If you're not careful, the world will influence the way that you think, and you cannot live a positive life by thinking in the wrong direction. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12, let your mind be renewed. It has to be renewed. So as Christians, if you've made a decision to follow God, we have to allow ourselves to disconnect from all the onslaught of what the world is sending at us and be able to get grounded in God's word and his truth and have him tell us, how to live, what to believe, in those different things. So, let me just start off by saying this. Um, listen, it, parenting is hard. I heard someone say this, that before they had kids, they had three different theories on raising kids, and then they had three kids and said, now I have no more theories on how to do it. <laughs> Parenting's hard. It just is, and I, I don't want anyone to feel guilty, because life is hard, and, and things can get messy, and so if you have a kid who goes astray or things don't go well, I, this is not my intent. My intent here is simply to say this, that God is able to redeem relationships. And that what we do is do the best that we can with what God has given us. And if you are a parent currently today and you have kids and you're in the home, I wanna encourage you, don't wait to, to, to make some slight shifts in your house to make a long-term impact. Because the most important thing that God has given you is not your career, it's your family and that we would build in and love our families. And so, and if it hasn't, let me just say this, and and if it hasn't gone well, or you have some difficult moments in this, the goal is not to make you feel guilty, not even a little bit. Listen, by the way, do you know which kids often get talked about as the most most jacked up kids? Pastors kids. And listen, you can do all the right things and sometimes it doesn't go well. Someone sent me a picture this weekend, someone in our church got, got married at this spot with the hurricane that came through. Let me show you a picture of where they got married. I want to show you this. This is Merle's Inlet. This is just now. And sometimes life can feel this way, especially when it comes to raising kids. Like, it feels like it's impossible, it's difficult. God, where are you? They're not listening. What's happening here? But I'm here to tell you something. If you allow yourself to hold on to the Lord, if you allow yourself to trust the Lord, God is always able to bring hope, even in seemingly hopeless situations. And then they sent me a follow-up picture of what it looks like right now. And pictures, I think, can say so much. I asked this person for permission. He said, my wife and I got married at this spot. Look at what happened this weekend. I think sometimes when it comes to raising kids, we can feel like it's storm and only, only ever storm. But I'm here to tell you something. I know a God who can calm the storms by simply speaking over them. So what I believe is this, is it's our job. Listen, your goal should not be to produce Instagram perfect kids. I know we should think that way, but that's not your job. Let me tell you actually as parents, if, you're a, if you have believed in Jesus and made a decision to follow him, let me tell you as parents what your job actually is. Ready? Your job as a parent is to gradually reduce their dependence on you and transfer it so that their dependence is on God. If you do anything with your life of significance, because when a kid is born, by the way, the younger the kid is, the more stuff you bring with them. When it's a baby, it's like 18 packages. You literally have to have like a, 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 you know, eight mini to carry all the stinking stuff. My wife went with another family yesterday. They're they're registering for baby supplies, and, and they only got a couple things to begin with. When my wife was done, she's like, "You need this and this and this and this and this." It's crazy. And so they're very dependent on us when they're little. And then as they get older and they get their independence, what is it that we are called you and I to do as parents? Our job is to move them from being dependent on us to give them the tools so they can be dependent on God. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. And so here's the thing. I don't want us to wait. Um, in our families, let me give you a couple of thoughts. This first thought I shared with you guys last week, it's simply this, ready? We need to parent and not pacify our kids and I said this last week, the easiest thing is to say, here, go watch this. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty about letting your kid have a tablet, because honestly, <laughs> number one, our kids have tablets. So, like, it's not something where if they're watching a show, you need to feel guilty. I think it's important as a parent to know what show they're watching, right? My, my anyway, okay, uh, so pay attention and watch this stuff. I could go on so many tangents here, I need to reel it in, so many tangents, okay. We need a parent and not pacify our kids. By the way, I get that this is hard. And one of the areas that I struggle with this the most is consistency. Because when you're tired, it's like, whew, ain't nobody wanna put up that kind of fight. You know what I'm saying? By the way, one of the worst ways you can discipline your children is turn off the Wi-Fi. Hallelujah. We had our Wi-Fi, a tree fell down on our, it was like taken down on purpose in our front yard and it knocked, the, knocked our Wi-Fi out. You would have thought we went back to the 1800s and the revolt and the pitchforks that happened around our house. Anyway, all right. Maybe one of the best things we could do, actually, is turn the Wi-Fi off in our house, in Jesus' name. All right, here's here's another thing, ready? We need to disconnect from the world so that we can connect with each other. I am sick of the world telling us how to think and live. And the world is not working. It doesn't work. And in the midst of this, Jesus stands up and he says, this is how to live life. By the way, we only get your kids for an hour out of the week, Who has the greatest influence in this equation? It's you. And listen, unless you stop allowing the world to onslaught your homes, someone's gotta get up and say enough's enough. Let's hold our ground, let's believe in the things that God said, he's able, he's, listen, by the way, as Christians, we don't run and hide from the world, why? Because greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. It just means that we have a different way of thinking, a different way of believing, a different way of living. And what do we do? We want to stand at the the forefront of our homes and we want to believe these things about who God is. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will not be perfect. We will be jacked up like everybody else, but we will declare God's goodness even when things don't make sense. And I am sick of the world bombarding us over and over again. Even shows that feel innocent are not. By the way, you remember when you were a kid, right? You figured out how to get around all those rules, right? And see things you weren't supposed to see and do things you weren't supposed to do. The assumption as parents, listen, don't assume that your kids are not smarter than you. They are. And in this world, there's all kinds of things that are coming our way and we need to pull back. Let me, let me put it to you, let, let me give you the double whammy that's happening in our world, ready? Whammy number one is this, is that we stop sitting around the table for meals. And that's not a small whammy. I don't know why I'm saying whammy. That's not a small issue. Because since forever, the way that information was handed down from one generation to the next generation, it over campfires. We're gonna sit around, we're gonna talk. I'm gonna teach you why. Because in the daytime, you're hunting and gathering or you're, you're working hard. You don't have time to do these things. And so at night, you gather around over a meal. And while you're at a meal, one generation looks at the next generation and says, let me tell you how to do this and then around the table. So one of the first things that's happening, I see it all the time, it's in my own home. That meal time is being stolen from families because we're so busy. Couple that with this. And now we're no longer passing information down from one generation to the next. Now what's happening is that is being lost, and now the information that's being handed down comes like this. And I'm telling you, we need to disconnect. Now, listen, we need to have wisdom in this. We need to not just, we don't need to be, like, go back to the Stone Age or be pilgrims. Like, it's okay. Have a phone. I get it. Listen to you, have your behavior. But my point is, is that as Christians, we need to be intentional. We need to pull back. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John chapter five. We're gonna be in there. We're gonna look at a lot of verses. While you're turning there, I'm gonna highlight this, this thing. Ready? My challenge for you, here's a challenge for you as your pastor. Ready? This very week, I challenge you to have two meals with your family around the table with no devices. I know that seems like it's not high, it's high. Do two full meals with your family around the table with no devices. And ask questions, spend time, how was your day? It's gonna be awesome. All right, John chapter five, if you guys have turned there, we're gonna read a lot of verses. I'm gonna start in John chapter five, beginning in, Oh, man, I'm out of time. Let me, um, we'll start in verse 16, but before we get there, here's what happens. Jesus is going, he's going all around, and he gets to the pool of Bethsaida, which is a place in which people who were sick were waiting during one of the feasts that the Jewish people had. Actually, not sure which feast it was exactly, but it would have been a feast, and they believed that when the waters got stirred, that if they could be the first person, man or woman, in the water, then they would get healed of their infirmity. So Jesus shows up and there's all of these sick people who are gathered around this pool and they're waiting to be healed. And just as an interesting side note by the way, here Jesus is, he's been healing a lot of people. People have heard about the things that Jesus has done and he's literally in their presence and they're all looking at the water as a source of their healing. And they're waiting for the water to stir. Who's gonna be the first one? And they're waiting for the water to stir. And in the midst of this, Jesus comes and he asks a man who's been infirm for 38 years, not been able to walk, do you wanna get better? Which, by the way, is a real question. Jesus wasn't being sarcastic here. Like, sometimes you have to ask someone, do you actually really wanna get better? Let me, oh man, so many side notes, tangents, okay. God is a comforter and everything that God is, Satan is counterfeit to that. That means that Satan is also a com- is also a comforter. I've said this from stage many times. There's a lot of people who are right now being comforted by their bitterness that they have, and they don't want to let it go. There's a lot of people being comforted by their unforgiveness. Well, I can't do that, and it's weird how we get comforted by the very things that bind us. And in Jesus' name, I pray that that is broken today. Enough is enough i just here to say this. So Jesus asked him, do you actually want to get better? There's a lot of people who claim to believe in God but don't want to get better because they want to be comforted by the thing that they know that they shouldn't be comforted by. Am I preaching today, anyone? By the way, I'm preaching to myself. These are things that I've been through in these days. So, so I understand this. So he asked him, do you want to get better? So he says, yes. And so then Jesus says, well, stand up and pick up your mat and walk. Now that guy um, can't walk. And in the story, you read, he does what Jesus says and immediately he's healed. By the way, some of our healing... This is a separate side note, I've said this too. We want God to do the miracle in our life so that we can then trust in him. God wants us to trust in him and then he'll provide for our needs. So what does he say? He says, stand up and walk. What does the guy do? Okay, I, can't, I haven't stood for 38 years. He stands up and the miracle happens when he's obedient to Jesus. Some of you, the reason you haven't seen a miracle is because God asked you to do something and you're not doing it. And so you're like, God, where are you? He says, I've been here the whole time. Get your own butt up and walk. That's the Jeremy translation. But you're like, I don't want to. It's in our obedience that God often moves. You wanna see God move, be obedient to him. Anyway, so he does this. The problem is, it's on a Sabbath. You can't heal on the Sabbath. So Jesus begins to ruffle some feathers. And so we're gonna read now verse 16. Of John chapter 5. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking Sabbath rules. But Jesus, by the way, again, okay, sorry, never mind. All right. Verse 17. But Jesus replied, My Father is always working, and so am I. Is that an encouraging verse? My Father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he had not only broke the Sabbath, for he I'm reading the New Living Translation, by the way. For he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained. Here Jesus is, and he's just going to do a deep dive. He knows that they're angry with him already, so now he's really going to tie it together. He says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Oh, that is awesome stuff right there. Now, listen, let me just say this. We sometimes can think the Father's distant, that the Father's not caring, that the Father's who you see in the Old Testament when he's handing stuff down, he's smacking it away. I'm here to tell you something, Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. Meaning that when you see Jesus, you see the Father. This is a beautiful passage of scripture we're getting insight into God who we cannot see. Verse 20. For the, uh, see, whatever the Father, the second half of whatever verse I was in, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him, shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be truly astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone who wants. We'll stop there for a second. Well, actually, just we'll stop there. I would have read verses one through twenty-four, but we'll stop there. So here's what I want you to see. We're gonna capture some thoughts from this passage of scripture. Ready? And these are things that we can take for ourselves. As parents dealing in the age that we're dealing in, I want you to know something really important. It's what you model that gets learned. It's what you model that gets learned. Jesus, God's own son, says that he did what he did because he saw his father do that very thing. I remember when I was growing up, I made fun of my dad when he would preach. My dad was a preacher, and he'd get up, and my dad's flinging his hands when he preached. You would have thought he was bringing an aircraft into service. Like, oh. And then I got older, and you know what started to happen to me? My hands started going and I do this pointy thing, and sometimes it goes like this, and it's like a velociraptor. Yeah! <laughs> it's what you model. And I would make, I, I would, I, I've confessed that sometimes I have an issue with driving and getting angry. It's, I would take it a step back from road rage. I've been working, the Lord's been working on my heart, so it's less road rage. The other day, my daughter, were, my daughter and I were going somewhere, and she's like, what's their problem? Can't they go faster? And I was like, <laughs> This is beautiful right here. This is the greatest moment of my life. I'm handing down great wisdom. This really, really, really matters. Ready? So let me tell you something. It's what you model that gets learned. So parents, I'm talking to you. Ready? Put your phones down. You expect your kids to put their stuff down. I'm telling you to your face. In your eyeballs, look at me right now you put your stinking phone down. I'm serious, work can happen another day. Jesus openly said, it's what I saw my father do, that's what I do what I do. If it's what we model that actually gets learned, then we as parents should model the path that we wanna have to be able to move forward. It's the modeling that matters. And so your life, and by the way, listen, there's no idea that we should expect for perfection. Listen, your kids, by the way, are really good at finding out the things that you're not good at. You know what I'm saying? And they are great at making fun of you. I was great at making fun of my parents. That tradition is passed down in our family really well. My, I'd be like, dad, are you wearing that? Mom, are you wearing that? My kids the other day was, <laughs> I got a Dad, are you wearing that? And I'm like, you know what? I am wearing this. I earned this. I'll wear black socks and sandals. I'll hike my pants up to here. Why? I've earned it. Put your phones down. Parents, listen to me. Listen to me. You have a limited window. And the world is going to rush in like a flood. You put your phone down. Now let me give you a couple things that you can do. This is, this is kind of a different message today. It's gonna be a little bit practical. Two ways we can communicate with our kids. I, this also applies in a marriage relationship, but two ways, ready? Face to face. Now generally speaking, This is not always, but women, girls, young ladies, like to communicate face-to-face because they have feelings and emotions and things that they go through. So what do they want? They want to sit down with you, interact with you face-to-face. By the way, dads, you know what my encouragement to you is? Make sure that you are intentional with your daughters. Build them up and tell them that they are beautiful. Why? Because if you don't, the world will and lead them in other directions. So men in this house, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and we will love our daughters and we will tell them that they are God's creation and they are beautiful. But you know how you do that? It's face-to-face, that's how, not generally, not always, but generally women like the communication face-to-face. That's why if you ask a guy how his day was, he's like Guys don't wanna sit face-to-face. It would drive me nuts when I was growing up, my mom would be like, I need to see you. I'm like, "I no, it's weird. But women are like this, we wanna see. They want that face-to-face interaction. But guys, believe it or not, also love communicating and have a lot of stuff to say. They just don't want to do it face-to-face. Let me tell you how guys generally communicate. Not always, but mostly side-to-side. You do something with your boy, and I'm telling you, it will absolutely change the game. It will 100% change the game. And what you model actually gets learned. So let me tell you in my life, ready? Ready? I joked a little bit about the road rage and stuff like that, but let me tell you something that's been really important to me from the beginning of when I did ministry. It is a common joke that pastor's kids end up just having nothing to do with church. And the reason why that is is because there's several reasons. One reason is because usually in environments like that, the pastor's never home because he's always out with the church. And so kids who grew up in church, they never actually see their dad who's the pastor because he's always serving and loving other people. And then, let me just, can I get real for a second? He's out there loving a bunch of people when he comes home. You know what he wants to do? <sighs> he doesn't have a lot of stuff left to give. And so stuff can be just as jacked up in the house as it is out there. And so, and so, so that's nothing. The other thing is that pastors' kids, when they grow up in church, when they see the inner workings sometimes of church, Christians can be mean. I know that's not, we're all perfect in this room, right? <laughs> Glory, there's no issues here. But in general, Christians can be stinking mean. And so if you're a kid and you never see your dad who's a pastor or your mom was working in the ministry, if you never see these things and then they're always gone and then what you see is other church people be really mean, you know what happens? You grow up, you say, that's not for me. So something that I wanted to model intentionally and I was very intentional, was from the even before, even before my daughter, she's our first one, was born and now we have three kids. By the way, I told you about the miscarriage. God gave us a third kid. But before that was, I'm gonna be a pastor who makes my family more important than the church. And we have. Now, I'm out two nights a week. I'm out doing, I did a wedding yesterday for someone in Greenville. And and so I do stuff all the time. But you know what? My kids will know that I am there for them and that I love them more than I love the church. Now, I love the church a lot. But my kids are our priority. And so here's, my point is, is that I'm modeling this out. And here's what's awesome. We have a church and a staff and a culture that says your family's more important. Now, it doesn't mean the church is not important. You guys get what I'm saying? The church is vital. It's critical. It just means that there's something more important, which is my family. What what does it gain for me if if I built this incredible church and yet my kids want nothing to do with God? And so Jesus said he saw what his father did and then he did the same thing and I am realizing more and more, my kids are not gonna do what I tell them to do, they're gonna do what they see me do. So when it comes to parenting your kids, ready, you parents, You put down your phone and you say, let's hang out, let's talk. So that's number one is this, as we're modeling it out. Number two is, this is my challenge for you as parents, in the home with kids. Ready? Let's change the story. Let's change the story. There's a narrative, there's all kinds of narratives that the world's going to throw at you for different things. And I'm here to tell you something. As a parent, you know you can, you can hold your ground and you can say that's what the world might think but this is what we in our home believe. We believe these things and why do we believe these things? Because we have seen God over and over again come through for us. I believe that God is faithful even when things don't make sense and you know what I have? I have a whole bunch of years in which God has proven himself faithful. Now, I do this all the time with my kids, I drive them nuts. Sometimes we'll be driving somewhere and I'm like, let's take a little detour. My first house is in, uh, that I bought when I was a youth pastor, It was in, it's in Malden. It's right there where the library is. You know what I, I say to them? I say, when I came to Greenville, South Carolina, I told God that I would work anywhere he wanted for free because he paid for my college. So I worked at a church and they didn't pay me and I had other jobs. And one of my jobs at the church that I was volunteering for was to hand out leaflets and flyers to a summer camp that we had. So I went to an area that had townhouses. Why? Because you can give a lot of leaflets out in a short period of time. Like, get rid of these things. So in the neighborhood, it was a new construction neighborhood, it was being built. Now, I was two years in the ministry and I was working for a church for free. I was doing stuff at restaurants in different places. And in this place, I'm handing out flyers. I look in the window of one of the houses that's being, townhouses that's being built. And I said to myself, I said, man, I would, if I could ever have a house, I'd love to have a house like this one day. Now, I had made the decision to follow him and follow God. And so I willingly, all my college buddies, by the way, graduated, and they're all like, had nice stuff. I'm living in a pastor's house across from his two-year-old daughter. And I'm literally working in restaurants so I can work at this church for free. And I'm handing out flyers, and I look in the window. No, I didn't pray it. I didn't say it out loud. In my heart, I said, man, I'd love to have this one day. Less than six months later, God opened the door and the very house that I looked in was the house that I owned because God opened the door for me to have that. So I'll be driving with my kids. We'll be doing a random errand. You know what I do? Let's go do a detour. We go to Mullen. I said, kids, let me tell you something. When I didn't think it, God was gonna be faithful. Here's even crazier. I was buying the house and then I had nothing to put in the house because when you're, you do not first of all, you don't realize how much stuff goes in the house, right? So here I am, I'm like twenty four years old at this point, I'm buying my first house and I start making a list of stupid things that I need to do to be able to put in the house. By the way, I never thought I'd get excited about a vacuum cleaner, but I'm like, I want a vacuum cleaner. Let's get this stuff up. I worked at a place. The people in the church made a list without me knowing how to party and they basically made a registry for me and right before I moved into my house, the church came together and said, thank you for working at the church for free and they bought me all the things that I needed for my house without me knowing and so I moved into the house and I had silverware and plates and I had dishes and God did it. And I take my kids to see the, take my kids to see those things. So change the story. And so what we do with our kids is we wanna change the story. Let me, let me give you some thoughts, ready? Find a mission that matters. If what you model is what matters most, we need to find a mission that matters most. I know we're a little bit out of time but I'm gonna say this anyway realizing my son, who's nine now, when he was younger, we didn't know this about him as he's getting up, we realized that he is, he's, he's very auditory. We would go to the movie theater and he would have to go out and we realized finally he's auditory. By the way, we really realized he's auditory because we took our family on a vacation to Disney. Every kid, we take one of the, you know, when they turn five, we want to take them to Disney for an experience, although we may or may not do that for the last one. We'll see. Um, that's a whole, anyway, separate thing. So I guess we will. Oh, it's like we're not? Okay, we are. All right, sorry, we will. We're taking them to Disney. Okay. <laughs> we're going to Disney. We are going to Disney. Okay, sorry. Whew, it's close. Almost on stage, Mayor's Council. Y'all had to stop for a second. <laughs> but, so we go to Disney, and this is for our son. He's five. And we're in Animal Kingdom, if you've ever been to Disney, it's got several different parks. And the very first ride we go on is a dinosaur ride. And it's the loudest ride ever, with dinosaurs popping out. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome, he loves dinosaurs! Immediately freaks out on the ride, because dinosaurs are yelling at him the whole time, and I'm having to hold him. That set the tone for our Disney trip. And at the end of it, he's like, this is the worst vacation ever! (laughs) Which I thought was pretty funny, because we spent thousands of dollars. Anyway, so (laughs) I'm like, well. We didn't know that he was auditory. So with him, i realized, okay, I want to change the story a little bit when it comes to parenting him. So we live in Fountain Inn now, and so we, I taught him how to ride bikes, which is awesome, and one of the greatest achievements of my life. And we found this little spot by the park that's back there, and it's got this little creek or stream in there. We leave all devices away. We get on our bikes. We go down there. We bring a bunch of pocket knives, and we sit by a creek where it's quiet, and we carve spears, and him and I talk, and that's called our bro spot. He loves our bro spot. Because why? You change the story. And I'm here to tell you something. Change the story. Don't let the world narrate your story. You were given, listen, you were given a calling by God. Take back your stinking homes. Change the story. Allow God to move. Oh man, I'm okay, build margin into your life and here's the last thing. Ready, stop waiting for the perfect time to do the right thing. How many times when it comes to our homes do we wait for the perfect time If you wait for the perfect time, the perfect time will never come. Do you know when the perfect time is? It's right now. Parents, put down your phones. This week, I challenge you two dinners around the table with zero devices and spend time talking with your families. Jesus saw how his father modeled what he needed to do. It's what we model that matters most. So let's model what it means to follow God so that our kids can go from being dependent on us to being dependent on God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you because there truly is no one like you. There is no one like you, God. And I know today, Lord, I I, I probably did not communicate as well as I'd wanted to or even was able to get through a lot of the things that I had on my heart to share. But my prayer, Lord, is that we as parents this week, that our kids would see us stop from the things that we are doing Put our devices down and engage with them, that we would walk with them in this life, because life is not easier, it's getting more challenging, that we would help our kids as they navigate this world that you and I, that we all live in, Lord, that you see needs your redemptive touch. So my prayer, Lord, is that we would be able to model, understand that what we model is what gets learned, and God, that we would model what it means to follow you that our hearts would seek after you and that we would hunger and thirst after you. Jesus, we thank you for this day. We love you in name we pray, amen, amen. Church, have a great day. We love you guys. We'll see you guys next Sunday. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.